Well, welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast today. This is Mark, and I'm running solo for a Monday Minute episode. Typically, as you probably know, Monday Minute episodes are shorter, more informal Q&A episodes, usually joined by Steve, sometimes Jake as well. But today I'm running solo because we just got back from Kodiak. Steve, Jake, and I, as well as a handful of other friends, had a great trip up to Kodiak, and we'll be sure to talk more about that in episodes to come. But because we just got back, it was hard to arrange schedules as we're all super busy getting caught up on work and life. And I've also had quite a few questions coming in uh, about rifle setups and different things that I have personally mentioned in the past and thought it would be good to address some of those questions here on the podcast uh, versus individual emails because a lot of these questions are either very similar or somewhat uh, repetitive. So as always, guys, I'm happy to answer emails, whether it's about uh, any topics like this, or if you have questions about things like Kodiak, send an email over to podcasts at exomountaingear.com, and we'll either get back to you or discuss it on a future Monday Minute episode, which is what we're doing today. So all the questions I'm going to dive into today are related to rifles, suppressors, and topics like that. I uh, should quickly mention as well, um, for Kodiak, what we were running for rifle setups. Steve was running his 6.5 Creedmoor, which you guys have heard a bit about with his recent sheep hunt, things like that. I was also running my 6.5 Creedmoor, uh, which is a rifle I built a few years ago. Uh, the guys at Mesa Precision helped me put that together. Um, it uses their altitude stock as well as one of their titanium actions. And it's a really nice, light, compact rifle. It's 20-inch barrel. Uh, it weighs 8 pounds, scoped and suppressed. So it's actually a sub-6-pound rifle um, when it's just a bare rifle-only weight. But I think we'll talk more about rifles, but I think it's my favorite rifle. Um, and even, you know, one thing with it being titanium is obviously it's uh, going to be a lightweight platform build with that titanium action. But... It was really nice in Kodiak not having to worry about corrosion um, like you would with a steel action. And obviously, there's stainless steel and there's coated and all that, but the titanium is really nice um, just for peace of mind in that. Because as you'll hear about in the Kodiak trip, uh, we had a lot of snow. So my rifle was just constantly covered in snow. But that's a different discussion for a different day. If you guys want to see more about that rifle, um, I don't have a review of the rifle specifically, although that's something I certainly could put together. But I did write an article a while ago about why I chose 6.5 Creedmoor versus 6.5 PRC, because those are the two cartridges I was considering a few years ago when, or a couple of years ago maybe, uh, when I put this rifle together. And so that article, uh, I'll leave a link in the show description and you can see a bit more about that rifle in that article as well. So. Um, what was I shooting? I was shooting the terminal ascent bullet on this trip, which was new to me. Um, as many of you may have heard, I've been doing uh, a lot of work with hammer bullets, a solid copper mono metal, and I'm very happy with those, but I wanted to mix it up for this deer hunt and I used the terminal ascent, um, jumping ahead, I guess, into a bit of the trip and how it went down. I was able to kill two bucks. Uh, they both ended up being frontal shots, which... Um, you know, it, it was difficult to not gauge the performance of the bullet, but, you know, in terms of your kind of quote unquote typical entry and exits 
and internal damage. Obviously, a frontal is going to give you a different experience than a broadside or a quartering shot. So uh, we can chat more about that on a later date. But both bucks uh, went down incredibly fast. Uh, one of them didn't take a step and just crumbled right upon impact. The other one ran maybe 10 yards. So happy with the performance of those bullets. I was not able to recover them. Did not get exits on either one being frontal shots. Um, but yeah, that was my setup in terms of rifles for this trip. Getting into some of the questions that have been coming through. Uh, this guy wrote in and said, in episode 313, you mentioned a shooting technique you were using with the Wiser Precision Quick Sticks and your XO Pack. Can you share more details on your shooting position with that setup, as well as other field shooting position tips you have? Great question, and we just put out a video on that. Um, so go to the link in the show description to a YouTube video where I do show my exact setup for shooting with the Wiser Precision Quick Sticks and a pack, and how to build a stable shooting platform for that. Um, that's the setup I use to uh, shoot my, well, man, I've, I don't even know how many animals I've shot off the quick sticks now, but sometimes I do or don't have the pack being used as rear support as well. Um, it just depends on basically usually the angle. If I'm shooting relatively flat, uphill, downhill, what my specific body position in the terrain is like, but Go check out that link. We also shared that recently um, via our XO Insider newsletter. So just a heads up, if you guys are only listening to the podcast and don't get our emails, I would consider signing up for those because we do share content that you won't see or hear about on the podcast, but you will see if you get those emails. So you could, to sign up for that, you can just go to xomountaingear.com forward slash newsletter. Um, but again, that video is on YouTube now and should help you guys out a lot. Um, in terms of field shooting positions, um, honestly, that's the primary one or has been the primary one uh, for the last few years, really. Um, I'm just often not finding myself in positions where I have an opportunity to get prone. And so I have shots. 90 plus percent of the animals in the last three to four years, either sitting or kneeling and using those quick sticks up front and sometimes a pack in the back. It's how I shot my elk this fall. Uh, it's how I shot one of the two deer on this trip. Uh, it's how I shot both my deer on the prior Kodiak trip. It's how, um, it's how I shot my caribou. I mean, there, yeah, just countless situations come to mind on whitetail, previous elk. Yeah, just a ton. So check that out for sure. Um, yeah. And it just, I mean, we've talked about the quick sticks a lot, just a heads up. We don't have an affiliation with those guys. We're just super, super happy with the product and they do happen to be a couple of great guys behind that company. So check those out. Look for, look for the links in the show description. Next question was about scopes. This guy wrote in and said, I heard you say that you were going to write an article about your experience with the Razer HD LHT the Leupold VX5 HD, and the Zeiss V4. And then he said, those are the three scopes I'm considering, and I was wondering if you completed that review. 
The short answer is no, unfortunately, I didn't complete that review. Um, I would still love to. I've been saying that for too long at this point and honestly just have not had the time to put it together the way I would like to. So let me say a couple things about these three scopes. I chose those three um, intentionally, not on purpose to review them against each other per se, um, but I just happened to own all three of them over the course of a couple years um, and they are very comparable in price and weight and size and features. Um, there are three great scopes. I, I would grab any of the three today and go hunt and not really have any concerns picking up either of the three. So I don't think you necessarily go wrong. Um, there are some pros and cons and advantages and disadvantages per se um, to them. I will say that having owned all three and shot all three quite a bit, um, the specific scopes that I've had have all been very reliable. So in terms of things like repeatability with your adjustments, dialing up, dialing back, holding zero, um, and that consistency, the three have all been consistent for me with the ones that I have had. Um, they do use, you know, there's differences in the turret system. So as you begin to look at things like the elevation dial, the Leupold is going to have a locking um, dial with a little button that releases it and allows it to free spin. The Razer HD, um, you can lock uh, in place on the elevation dial. You essentially have to lift up the elevation dial and then it free spins and then you can push it down and that will lock it in place. Um, the Zeiss does not have any sort of locking feature on the elevation dial. It does have a zero stop, but doesn't have a locking feature. I have not found that to be an issue at all. Um, I've been in the field with that scope on numerous backcountry hunts and it has not moved. Um, it's, it takes, some work to move it. I mean, manually operating it intentionally is not a problem, but I do not really have concerns about the fact that it doesn't have a lock simply because on numerous hunts, it's proven to not move, but that is a difference to consider. I will say while we're speaking of the elevation turrets and the mechanism on all three of those, I do personally have the most confidence in the Zeiss. Again, I personally have not had issues with the VX5 or with the Razer. Um, I haven't had any issues dialing, maintaining zero or having any consistency, but as you begin to take the three scopes apart and really look at the mechanism, so you're looking at the mechanics of what's happening under the turret, it's, it's incredibly clear that um, the Zeiss is the, the one that's constructed best. Um, it's, it's solid. The mechanism is simple, but robust. Um, and even, even aside from that, just the feel of it, I have the most confidence in it. So I will say that it's the one that doesn't have a lock, but it is the one I do have the most confidence in period in terms of glass, you know, down the tube, 
I don't have any issues with any of them. Um, you know, you can definitely see a difference in some of the coatings and the lights and contrast. I won't spend a ton of time picking that apart simply because for me, I realize that a rifle scope, you need good glass to an extent. So yes, you need good glass. You need good light transmission. If you're in situations at first or last light of the day, you need to be able to have good glass and good light transmission to potentially make a shot at low light. That said, I'm not spending hours behind my rifle scope. It's not a spotting scope. It's not binoculars. I'm not using it as uh, a tool to find or to look at game. It should be something that I'm looking through for a few key moments. And from that perspective, again, I would hunt with either of these scopes any day. Um, yeah, I mean, differences from there, it, there's just a lot of little things that are going to meet your preference potentially. So I'm today anyway, I still would like to work on the review in depth, but I'm not going to go much further beyond that. I will wrap it up by saying, if I were to pick one today, I would pick this ice. Um, and again, I would take any of these into the field today. I happen to trust the Zeiss the most personally and also enjoy the form factor, the adjustments. The version that I have, for example, does have a locking windage turret, um, which I do like. Uh, I like the reticle in it. Um, obviously, reticle, you know, as we talk about any of these three scopes, some of them have multiple reticle options. So, it's hard to generalize there, but long story short, Zeiss would be great. I'd pick it up. I'd buy it, but I'd also hunt with any of the others in the field, uh, without, without an issue, I would say without doubting it. All right. This question comes in and, uh, there, there's a lot of questions packed in this one question, but I'll go ahead and read the full email that came through. And this gentleman said, I believe I heard you in past episodes say that you didn't want to shoot a Magnum cartridge. Then I downloaded your recent backpacking gear checklist off the Exosite and saw you have a Sterling Precision 7 Psalm listed as your rifle for your upcoming rifle hunts. I heard more about the 7 Psalm in the latest episode when you were talking about how you and Steve du doubled up on elk this year. I'm curious why you went in a different direction with the rifle and the cartridge. Why did you change your mind about Magnums? And of all the Magnums, what made you decide on the 7 Psalm? Do you have any regrets after moving away from your 30-06 Tika build? Good question. I think my comments about not wanting a Magnum um, go back really to 2016. And so, you know, pushing five years old, those comments are at this point. Um, and at that time, I didn't want a Magnum. Uh, a few reasons for that going back then is I didn't feel that I needed it for the hunting that I was doing. I didn't feel that I needed it for the ranges I would be shooting. I did not want more recoil than needed. And I honestly still feel that way. Um, obviously, you can use things like a muzzle brake to reduce recoil. I'm personally not a fan of muzzle brakes. Didn't want one. And so I wanted a round that had um, 
that was just sufficient for general big game hunting, a quote unquote, do it all for the most part cartridge. I didn't want a Magnum. I didn't want to run a break. This was also, again, going back to 2016 before I was shooting with a suppressor and before I was reloading. And I chose the 30-06 then, and I still feel that the 30-06 is a fantastic do-it-all cartridge choice, especially with the modern bullets and powders that you have available to you today. The 30-06 is a very, very good round. It is not the same 30-06 that we had 100 years ago. So the reason, well, let me say this as well. I would not feel undergunned or handicapped shooting a 30-06 today, especially if I was reloading. If I were to be the same person and in the same position that I was five or six years ago when I chose the 30-06, I think I would choose today the 280AI, the Ackley Improved, as my choice of a great do-it-all non-magnum round for big game hunting. Um, They share essentially the same case, the 30-06 and the 280AI. You can think of the 280AI as a 30-06 that shoots a 7mm projectile, not a 30 caliber projectile. And yes, there are some other differences, but that's a high-level summary. And I'm a fan of the bullet choices and BCs offered by 7mm projectiles. So, if I were to do it all again, a 280AI, or if you want to consider a Magnum, a 7 rim mag, would honestly be the top two at the top of my list for someone who wants to keep it simple, have a do-it-all cartridge, isn't into reloading, and doesn't want to have some sort of you know, crazy, exotic, unique cartridge, which honestly the seventh Psalm really is. And there's many others like it. So that's where I'd be today if I was uh, making the same decisions in context that I made basically when I chose the 30 at six, five or six years ago. Um, he asked specifically, do I have any regrets moving away from the 30 at six? No, again, I wouldn't feel handicapped with one. I'd gladly shoot one. I just have had the luxury to have more options these these days and don't necessarily need or miss the 30-06. I still feel like it's a great choice. Do I have any regrets moving away from the Tika? I personally feel that the Tika is the best rifle choice for most hunters. Whether you want to shoot a factory rifle or you want to purchase a factory rifle and upgrade it over time as either needed or as budget allows. That's what I did with my 30-06. Uh, purchased a Tika T3X light stainless and over the course of a couple of years, changed out the stock, changed out the barrel, changed out the bottom metal, and basically made it a semi-custom rifle. That is the way to go for most guys and especially if you're starting with a budget and you want to buy a rifle now that's great out of the box and again potentially if needed or desired to upgrade it in the future that would be the way to go i've had the good fortune of shooting custom rifles um, and so i don't necessarily have regrets on not shooting a tika today but I also have the luxury of, you know, being able to have some higher end options and more custom options. So 
for most guys listening to this with a modest budget, Teak is the way to go. Again, I would pick one up in a heartbeat and shoot it on a heartbeat. I do have two articles that I wrote about upgrading my Tika. Um, so I'll leave links to those in the show description. You guys can check those out as well. Um, but essentially, I would buy a Tika. Um, as money allowed, I would put a Mesa Precision Stock on that and a good scope. And honestly, that's a great setup. If you want to customize further from there and change out barrels or do fancy stuff, then go for it. Um, but a Tika, especially with a better stock, is an absolutely fine rifle. And again, no affiliation to Tika. I bought my Tika full price uh, and clearly don't have any um, kickback <laughs> or benefit of recommending Tika. They're just great rifles. All right. So the question came up, why did I change my mind on Magnums? Which ties to the next question uh, that's more specific about Seven Psalm from someone else. And he wrote in and said, I may have missed this, but could you please go over your 7 Psalm build? I have a Tika T3 Lite stainless and 270 that I'm considering converting to a 280 AI or possibly a 7 Psalm. I also have a 6.5 PRC with a 24-inch barrel and a Silencer Central Banish 30 suppressor should arrive in a couple months. I'm already concerned about the overall length uh, of that rifle with a suppressor for hunting Western Washington. I would like something with a little more authority for elk than the PRC, but running in a 20 or 22 inch barrel. So again, a lot of questions here. Um, I'll talk a bit about my seven Psalm. I would talk a bit about this guy's situation and start briefly with why did I change my mind on magnums? Again, my, my comment about non-magnums was five or six years old. Since then, I've started shooting with a suppressor i've started reloading and honestly again i'm not personally a huge fan of muzzle brakes but with a suppressor you get a good recoil reduction as well which made me more open-minded about shooting magnums and again i'm not steve has a bad shoulder and just flat out doesn't like recoil i'm honestly not that guy um, and i won't say that i'm perfect but i also don't really have a flinch reaction to magnums. I am personally a fan of shooting enough rifle without shooting more than I have to because in the field, you do find yourselves in imperfect situations and scenarios, imperfect positions. And I've just found that lighter recoiling rifles tend to be more accurate and more forgiving, period. So shooting suppressed though, a magnum does have a good recoil reduction. That's why I'm more open to them now in terms of why I went with the seventh Psalm. Um, again, in context, over the last five, six years, I've started reloading as well. When I chose the seventh Psalm, I already had my 6.5 Creedmoor and I already had my 30-06 and I wanted a seven millimeter. Um, I wanted to expand my reloading so going with a cartridge like the seven psalm um is you know you're essentially not going to find factory ammunition it exists it's a unicorn it's insanely expensive you have to rely on reloading and i almost wanted to force myself into that situation where 
to have really good results with a 7 SOM, I wanted to really understand reloading. That was a factor. I wanted to shoot something in a magnum, but a short action. So that's automatically a factor, as I wanted some sort of short action magnum. Obviously, you could have done like 300 uh, Winchester short mag. Um, I could have done the 7mm uh, Winchester short mag. There are short mag options, but again, I also already had a 6.5 and a 30 caliber, and I wanted a 7. And I essentially boiled it down to the 7 SOM over the other options that I could shoot in 7mm and in a short action and have really good extended range performance on big game, including an elk. Um, I don't intend to be a long range hunter, but there are situations um, where I want as much authority and capability downrange as possible, just in case, like I did this fall, I shoot an elk at 550 yards. And the 7 SOM carries plenty of energy uh, at 550 and well beyond that to distances that I don't intend to ever shoot at game with. So it's a very efficient round. Um, you can build it in a short action. You have great choices on really high BC, great performing seven millimeter bullets. You can have heavier and lighter options. It will work great on big game like elk, even moose. You can load it lighter for deer if you'd like to. It just, it fit all the boxes. Cause again, I was looking for seven millimeter specifically, ideally in a short action, and a final consideration is I wanted a shorter barrel. And so I wanted to stick within that 20 or 22 inch barrel range because I was shooting suppressed. So um, those are some of the factors that when you put it all together led me to the seven SOM. Jumping back into this guy's question specifically, he said he has a Tika T3 light into 70 and he's considering building off of that platform either in 280 AI or possibly a seven SOM. So he's shooting a 270 now, which means he has a non-magnum or a standard bolt face, which means he can't go to a 7 SOM unless he changes his bolt to a magnum bolt or has some custom work done to open that up to be now a magnum bolt face. So for him, if he doesn't want to jump through those extra headaches for his Tika and he wants to build off of his current Tika action, I would go 280AI because he doesn't have to make any changes to his bolt or action to be able to run that. So immediately I would say go with 280 AI for this guy because your action is already more suitable for that. It still gives you the benefits of the seven millimeter projectiles. It's still a wonderful round. As I mentioned earlier, it'd probably be my top choice today as a non-magnum do it all round. So. Honestly, the 7 SOM, the 280AI, the 7 RIM mag, they're three very comparable 7mm cartridges uh, that are going to have very similar ballistics. They do have some differences, but uh, you're definitely, for the most part, splitting hairs to change um, some differences among them. Obviously, the, the RIM mag is going to be a magnum and long action. The 280AI is going to be a non-magnum long action. And the 7 SOM is a Magnum short action, but they all three are pretty comparable. For this guy, I would go with the 280 AI. He does mention barrel length, and that's a great consideration. 
I also recently wrote an article about shooting with suppressors and what I've learned over the last couple of years and certainly have learned that yes, barrel length matters in terms of mobility and shooting with a suppressor. Um, this guy mentioned running a 20 or 22 inch barrel and I would recommend a 20 inch barrel if possible. Uh, my 7 Somme is actually a 22 inch. My 6.5 Creedmoor is a 20 inch and those two inches you definitely do notice. Personally, I honestly would have liked to have built my 7 Somme with a 20-inch barrel, um, but at the time I built that rifle, it was impossible to find one in stock, and everyone was backordered for months and months and months and months and months. Thank you, Joe Biden and COVID and all of that. And so I was I found a 22-inch that I could get quick and wanted to get the rifle done in time for this past hunting season, and that's why I went with 22-inch. I would have preferred a 20-inch, just like my Creedmoor. I think it's a great sweet spot um, to reduce length when shooting suppressed and also to give you really good performance. I wouldn't, depending on the cartridge you're shooting and the distances you're shooting, I wouldn't hesitate to necessarily even go shorter, potentially. But that's a different discussion for a different day. So that leads to... Another question that came through, again, a longer email with multiple questions. I'll go ahead and read it and then quickly touch on some of it as well. He said, I read your recent article about suppressors and found it very informative. One question I am still debating for my suppressor is which length I should get, 5 inches versus 7 inches. He mentioned that he knew I had the 7 inch and Steve had the 5 inch, but he also heard that I mentioned getting a 5 inch suppressor in the future, which is true. So he's asking, why am I going with a five inch if I already have a seven? Is it to reduce overall length and the snagging of the weapon when hiking? Or is it to increase mobility? Or is it to decrease weight? And will I be using the five inch on my seven Somme? Or will it be intended primarily for the six five Creedmoor? If using a five inch on the seven Somme or similar Magnum, do you still think that shorter suppressor will provide enough noise reduction to not scare off game when shooting? Does it provide adequate recoil reduction to still shoot comfortably as well? If you were to do it over again and could only purchase one suppressor, would you buy a 5-inch or a 7-inch? I know that everything is a trade-off when it comes to suppressors. I'm just trying to make the most educated decision possible. Great questions in there, and I think he wraps it up well. Everything is a trade-off when it comes to suppressors. Um, I will say this. Get the five inch if every inch and ounce counts and you don't shoot a ton of rounds in a year and you don't shoot big magnums that would be my recommendation that's you get the five inch get the seven inch if you want the best compromise of size weight and performance and especially if you shoot quite a bit of rounds throughout the year and if you are shooting bigger rounds or magnums. So perfect case in point, Steve got the five inch fully knowing that he was gonna be shooting it exclusively on 6.5 Creedmoor or 6.5 PRC at the time of his purchase. Now he's shooting specifically in only 6.5 Creedmoor and he doesn't shoot as much as I do uh, throughout the year. I got the seven inch because at the time I was shooting, yes, a 6.5 Creedmoor, also a 30-06, and knew that a Magnum was in my future. And I tend to shoot a bit more, just in general, than Steve does. And so for me, 
the 7 was the best compromise of still being relatively compact, definitely the Thunder Beast still being very light, and giving me that edge in both reducing noise and recoil. So personally, what I would do if you were shooting some bigger rounds and shooting quite a bit of rounds is get a 7-inch and stick with a 20-inch barrel or potentially less. If, however, you're only shooting, say, 6.5s or you maybe do shoot a bigger hunting round, but you just be honest with yourself, you just don't shoot a ton. Hunting is your main purpose. You're not really out there, say, shooting steel or I'm going to go out and shoot, you know, 80 rounds next weekend with my buddies or whatever. Like if that's not you and it's just for hunting and you essentially just practice enough to be capable as a hunter, then then consider the five. The difference in the five and seven, um, honestly, it depends on context, right? So when you talk about reduction in, in noise or even in recoil, you have to consider things like recoil, for example, what position are you shooting in? How heavy is your rifle? Things like that. So you could take, um, you know, let's say my seven Psalm and six Steve's six, five Creedmoor and talk about the difference in shooting a five inch or seven inch. But it's like, yes, the, the, the difference in the suppressor mass matters. The difference in the cartridge matters. What position you're shooting in that matters. Uh, the overall weight of the rifle mat. There's just a lot that goes into it. And honestly, it comes down to your personal experience and essentially interpretation of recoil and noise, if that makes sense. So yeah, there's just a lot you could say. Again, the five is great. It's really compact. The reason that I'm looking at getting one is I'm looking to make a super compact rifle with like a small folding chassis and the five inch suppressor and in a six five and really reduce weight and size, honestly, as much as possible. I have personally don't have any regrets about his or about my Thunder Beast Ultra seven for the type of shooting and the rounds that I'm shooting in general. Um, I've used it in many, many States and places and, Yes, it's two inches longer than a five, but I don't find that that two inches makes a massive difference. Steve would tell you, though, there's no reason that anybody should get anything other than a five inch suppressor if you're hunting and you're just a hunter who doesn't shoot a ton of rounds. So he's a fan of his five. I'm generally a fan of my seven for most guys is the best do it all, but I still am getting a five. Um, because I can, I guess, right? <laughs> I don't, don't need to, but I want to, and I want to make something super compact. So I hope that helps you. Um, I would boil that all down to say, what cartridges, cartridges are you shooting? How much do you shoot? And let that be your guide on, do you go with a five inch or a seven inch suppressor? All right, guys, covered a lot there. Um, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget there's going to be links in the show description to articles and videos and other resources that I mentioned on this one. And then we'll be back to a more normal Monday Minute next week with Steve. Um, and hope you tune in for that. Also, this Wednesday, we have a new full-length episode coming out. So as always, guys, to make sure that you do receive future episodes, hit that subscribe or follow button in your podcast app where you're listening to this episode. 
And don't hesitate to send us an email to podcast at exomongear.com if there's something we can do to help you out. We'll talk to you soon.